Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Professional Practices and Financial Services team here at Suffrage Champness. My name is Jamie Lane. I'm a partner and head of the group based out of Bournemouth office. Today, I'm joined by Ian Hollock-Smith, who's a tax director, who's also based in our Bournemouth office. And in this episode, we're going to discuss the issue of basis period reform. So, Ian, what is this basis period reform and who does it affect and why is it happening? Hi, Jamie. Hi, everyone. Um, well, it's almost a bit back to front the way I'll answer this, because just give a bit of context. Um, I mean, these were measures that were announced back in 2021, so a couple of years ago now. And really, they were designed for what we call un- unincorporated businesses. So your self-employed person, maybe a sole trader, um, and also those people operating in partnerships like self-employed partners in law firms, particularly architects, firms, county firms like our own. Um, and really what it's designed for is to bring those businesses and the tax on those profits in line with the tax year. Um, at the moment, those businesses can choose all sorts of year ends. They can be in June, September. And the effect of changing to a tax year is that they're no longer skipping the timing of when their tax bill is due. Normally they're taxed when their accounting year finishes in the particular tax year, which can sometimes push the tax quite far down the road. And as you might imagine with HMRC, they really want their taxes in sooner rather than later. So this has the effect of bringing it in line with whatever you earn over a tax year, then you'll pay taxes based on that tax year, not based on an accounting year that ends in another tax year. So it's designed to simplify, it's designed to bring in cash flow to HMRC um, and ultimately bring them in line you know, with employees, particularly, and how they're taxed. Everyone who's an employee is taxed on a tax year. So this is really bringing those individuals in line with that. But it's not only individuals, just to stress that. It also covers people who act as trustees on trusts, who are actually the trust themselves are running businesses, um, and also deceased estates when people have died and the administrators for that estate have to carry on running that deceased person's business. So it's it's basically individuals, almost in whatever capacity, trustee, partner in a partnership or sole trader. Okay, so if I'm a 31st of March year end, what do I need to do? Absolutely nothing. So if you're already on a 31st of March year end, that is equivalent to a 5th of April tax year end. So for those people running their business, sole trader or partnership, 31st of March, these changes don't affect you. Okay, so what actions do I need to take then over the next 12 months to make sure that I'm fully prepared for uh, these changes? Yeah, some of that's going to depend on how you run your business. So as a sole trader, you're you're running your own business on your own or employing some people maybe, but you yourself have got to look at what is your end of year at the moment. So if it's 30th of June, and you've got to then factor in when do these rules come into place? So the rules are actually now starting in this current tax year that ends on the 5th of April 24. So that's what we call a transitional year. That's where we are going to basically tax you on your year-end profits, so June 23 in this case, so the whole 12 months profits. And then also you're going to have to basically draw a set of accounts from the 1st of July, in my example, to the 31st of March 24. And so what you're going to have is sort of two periods in that year. So what you need to be thinking about, obviously, is making sure that, you know, should I change my year-end? And we'll probably come back to that later on. But on the assumption we're going to go to the 31st of March, you need to be speaking to your accountant, understanding that I'm going to have to do two sets of accounts. And also then what's the impact on when your tax is going to be due? Because 
Obviously, if you're June 23 tax, you probably know when that's due already. But now you're going to have some tax on the period to the 31st of March. And that falls in the same tax payment timescale as your June 23 account. So you just need to be sort of looking at it and understanding when your tax is going to be due and therefore make sure you've provided for it. Obviously, most people in business know what they're providing for for their taxes or they work with us and we work it all out for them. But what you've got to do is understand when that tax is payable. Because again, it's being potentially accelerated. How much will depend on what your options are in that transitional period. So Ian, if um, I'm going to prepare accounts for 30th of June 2023, yep. the tax on those profits will be payable when? Effectively in January 25. 2025. Yeah. And then if I decide that I would like to then shorten my 2024 year end back to yeah. March. Uh, so I'll prepare yeah. accounts for nine months to March 2024. Yep. Yeah. The the cash for the tax will be payable also in January 2025. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But the key with this is that HMRC are probably not as bad as everyone feels they are sometimes, but you, you've effectively got two periods ending in 23, 24. Your normal 12 months to June 23. And as we've said, your tax will be payable in January 25. But when you look at the what we call a transitional period from July 23 to March 24, you work out what your profit is just following your normal income, less expenses for that period. And then you have a choice. Um, HMRC will let you pay all the tax on all those profits in January 25. Get it out of the way. Get it done. You're all paid up. Alternatively, you're able to spread the tax on those profits, or more importantly, the profits themselves, equally over the next five tax years. So you would take one fifth of that 10 month or so profit um, and then just pay the tax in the tax years that follow. You could pay it 20% per year for the five years, but you always have to pay a minimum of 20% over those five years in each year. So you could say first year 20%, second year 20%, I'm now taxed on 40%. The remaining 60%, you could pay tax in the third year and call it quits then and bring everything up to date. So there is a degree of choice there for you. It's, you know, it's going to come down, I think, to funding the tax bill and making sure you've, if you've got all the money and you've saved all the money, then some would say get it all out of the way and done in the first year. Pay up in January 25 and you're done. You can move forward on a normal 31st of March year end, paying the taxes in the following 31st January. And are HMRC charge any interest if you do spread it over those five years? No, this is one of the things they've accepted as being just a transitional provision. So, you know, there's no downside to. And also just on that, it's not the transitional profit. So we take, say, a 20% figure. That profit is not treated as extra income for pension contribution purposes, high income child benefit charges. So it's treated as just a standalone tax charge for that year. So you're not going to get penalised and suddenly have a child benefit charge if you're in those thresholds. And you're not going to suddenly have your pension contribution reduced because your income's too much. So, yeah, they've been, one might say, generous in that respect. But it's not quite as simple, is it, as adding two tax years together? Because uh, we also have this thing called overlap relief. Um, which I'll profess uh, to saying that it's. I've always found it pretty complex as a, as a non-tax person. So perhaps you could just explain how overlap relief comes comes about yeah. and how it will work uh, on 
on this change. And I'm glad you said it's complicated because that just helps me when I try and explain it for you now. So I'll try and make this as simplistic as possible. So when people first go into business as self-employed people, either as a sole trader or as a partner in a partnership, you have what's called these opening year rules. And they tell you what profits you have to pay tax on when. And to keep it very short, in normally the first year, you end up paying tax on the same profits twice, but over two tax years. And obviously at the time that feels quite obviously quite penalized for you. But what that's doing is that profit you're paying tax on twice is what's called your overlap profit. So let's just say the overlap profit in those early years was £10,000. That £10,000 is just carried forward for when you normally cease a partnership, leave the partnership, that £10,000 would then normally be deducted from your final profit share and you'd pay tax on a much lower profit share for that final year. So obviously, depending on when you went self-employed, you you, you know, one, you might have forgotten what that was. Um, and then you're gonna have to go back and try and recall possibly something 20 years ago as to what was my overlap profit. Because the reason for that is when you come into this transitional period now, HMRC will let you deduct that overlap profit from the profit in your transitional period. So, as I say, if your transitional profit, this March period we're talking about, was fifty thousand pounds you can deduct the £10,000 I've used in my example and then work out your tax charge on the net difference. So that might be one of the challenges people find if they've been in business for a long time. That's one of the objectives you've got to do, work out where that overlap profit figure is. If you did your tax returns perfectly, you would have shown it on your tax returns for the last 10, 15 years. It's, there's a box on the return that says overlap profit brought forward and you would have recorded that. It's something people should have recorded because you would have needed it one day when you ceased. This is just now an acceleration of that. And obviously the implication for new partners coming in now is that that overlap won't actually arise anymore because businesses will now be on the 31st of March period in which you're paying your taxes. So it's a good thing. It's complicated and it's a good thing we can leave it in the past. So if there is one takeaway from this uh, podcast episode is that if you're a partner, yeah, in a partnership that doesn't have a March year end, you should be going away and trying to find that overlap relief number. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, because this is very much. Whilst obviously your example of a partner in a partnership, there's numerous people. It is per partner, so it's you know you, you're a partner, other people are partners. They've got to find their figures, and I mean one of the takeaways is also if this is complete news to you at the moment, this whole basis period reform. You need to talk to your partnership, your finance person who's running it for you and understand what is the partnership doing? Because as we find with our clients, when we're having those conversations now, because we're now into this transitional year, 23, 24. So if you've not had the discussions now, is definitely the time to, to start shaking the can and having the conversation. And if you are a partner, a new partner to a partnership, mm. um, and you've come into that partnership perhaps in 2022, mm-hmm. and that, that isn't a March year end, Mm-hmm. You, it is quite complicated, isn't it? Because you're gonna you're gonna you're going to have overlap relief and then have to reverse that back out again quite quickly. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's going to be a slightly strange period because one minute you've you've created it, next minute you've relieved it, which is normally very unusual. You'd normally create it and forever and a day be carrying it. But yeah, I think anyone who's joined a partnership or you know started a sole trade business, you know that they, they've they've got to look at it in the last couple of years to make sure that 
they're filing this 23, 24 tax return. Obviously, it's not due now, but you know, when they come around to file it, they've got all the information available. So we've taken the example of a partnership that uh, changes its year end to March to keep it very, very mm. easy. Mm. And just to confirm, it doesn't have to be 5th of April. It can be 31st of March from a... Yeah. From a tax reporting perspective, treated the same way. So, yeah, it, most businesses would probably go to the thirty first of March. And, you know, I'd add in an extra point there. There is some rumor around our tax year end whether that will change at some point. So, best to go with thirty first of March. Yeah. Okay. And as I said, we've used we've used the simple approach here of um, someone taking their year end back to thirty first of March. But mm-hmm. you don't have to do that, do you? If there are commercial reasons why you, you want to stay as a junior year end, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're obviously very focused for this on professional practices. But if you took farming as an example, a lot of farming businesses are run as partnerships and their year ends probably really tailored around the crop cycle. So obviously, naturally, they want a year end as close to that as possible just to recognise profits at the right time. So, you know, they've got very good practical commercial reasons to keep their year end there. But obviously, the real downside to it is probably a headache more for people like us, the accountants and tax people, because whilst the revenue will let you keep your year end for commercial reasons and your accounts, it will be ignored for tax purposes. So unfortunately, those doing the tax returns will actually take the normal, say, September year end of your farm, say farming, but any other business tax on that and then you'll have to work out what you think your profits will be for the period to march put that on your tax return when you do get to your next september year end which obviously would cover those profits to march in our example you'd then assess them again and see whether you got your estimate right if you didn't then you've got to go back and change your tax return if you got it on the wrong side and you had two lower profits you'll then have tax to pay and it's just an incredible pain. You'll have to amend a tax return that you've already filed. That will lead to extra you know, professional fees, particularly. In that situation, you will get charged interest and penalties if you've got your tax estimates wrong. So it's a, I think my feeling is that for most professional practices, there doesn't seem to be a disadvantage to me in changing their year end. But of course, that's going to require some planning in advance of doing that because we're going to be changing it in March 24. And you may already be into that accounting period already. So definitely a, another takeaway probably is just to have that conversation with your accountants. If they're not talking to you, happy to have the conversation ourselves just to try and guide that business in what they need to do over these coming sort of nine months or so. We've obviously been working with a number of our clients on this particular issue. So perhaps you can give a flavour for, for the types of things we've been doing um, and also the kind of decisions that people have been taking around this area? Yeah, it ranges in terms of, you know, I suppose starting with the partnership first, you know, that's traditionally what we see more of than the the actual sole trade business person. I think with the partnership, it's, there's, there's challenges, I think, sometimes with the partnership in the sense of how is your partnership made up? Are you all equity partners? Or do you have some partners that are equity and self-employed? And do you have some that are, non-equity but still self-employed you know and I think it's having a dialogue certainly with the partnership group to make everyone aware that these changes are happening some people naturally don't pay attention to it and focus on their day job other people are very attentive to it so I think it's really important the experience I've had in getting the partnership talking 
Now, obviously, if you've got a partnership of several hundred partners, that's not as practical. But, you know, if you've got a 20 partner firm, obviously having reasonably regular partner board meetings, if you want to call them that. And so there's a chance to discuss it. So a lot of it is just having a discussion. So everybody in, who's affected by us is aware of it. And then it's the question around the year end. Is there a reason? You know, sometimes we talk regularly to our clients and we know that it's probably been driven historically by tax. It was always a, a typical thing to have a non 31st March year end to help the tax payments be pushed further down the track. Now, is that really necessary? So it's, it's, and again, the partnership, you've got to all be in agreement with this. You've got to, you know, you've got to be accepted. Why are we changing the year end and not have a last minute notice to one partner? We change the year end and don't understand it. So it's massively about communication with the partnership group. We normally sit in on those meetings with them to help them because it tends to be tax or accountancy related questions about the implications of changing the year end. You know, for some businesses, that might be really helpful because they're, I know they've got some big expenditure coming up and they're getting it in this tax year. And that just helps, again, reduce the profits. And next time it might have been a year later when they got the relief. So it's looking at that sort of detail around the business. And then once you've sort of covered that as a business, it's down to the partners. You know, what are what are the partners choices around spreading? Some people might say, well, actually, I've got income outside of the partnership. You know, I've got extra funds. I can pay my taxes, in which case it's talking to each individual partner and just understanding what they want to do. Um, someone might be due to retire in the next couple of years and their income drops. So they need to you know, get their taxes paid up before their income drops. And I think it's that's definitely what we've been doing with people. And to be honest, in the last sort of, I suppose, nine months ago, some people didn't even know about the changes, you know, so you know, it may be now some people are listening to this, not really knowing about the changes. So again, it's about talking and getting this out there. Um, and the pressure's on the current accountants, you know, they've got to come forward with these, you know, these rule changes, explain what it means. So we've been, you know, presenting to the partner group, showing examples of how this overlap relief works and, you know, trying to demonstrate to them when is the tax due. You know, a lot of a lot of partnerships, they help retain the tax bills. So, you know, the finance person there wants to understand. Do we need to change the drawings and the restrictions on drawings to make sure we're taking back enough tax? And then there's obviously payments on account. We're going to potentially have a year where there might be extra profits, extra tax. That doesn't mean you have to pay on account for the following year at that same level. So do we need to look at making sure people are reducing their payments on account? And even in probably one instance, the business has actually brought forward their change of year end before the 23-24 year. Um, because they wanted to deal with certain things in their business then and then move forward on a March year end sooner rather than later. So, yeah, it's all about talking. And if, you know, as I say, if this is all news to you at the moment, then you really do need to, you know, give the managing partner a tap or you know, speak to your accountant if they're doing your tax return and, and just understand what they need to be doing. I think one of the big takeaways I've seen from uh, uh, working with firms on this is the impact on cash flow. Um, obviously, HMRC have this five-year option mm. uh, but in any case the finance partner of a partnership really needs to get their heads around how any additional taxes are going to have to be paid mm-hmm. you know, some some firms will potentially fund their tax payments mm-hmm. so they should be talking to their funders about it but it really is a massive issue I think if you if you're not you're not really all over the challenge of cash flow management on the tax payment side yeah, and I think that's where it interacts with the partners, that each partner's got their own choice. You know, and how's the person who's trying to provide all this, you know, funds to pay the tax, whether it's with an outside funder or just internally? 
you know, they don't necessarily know what everyone's doing and therefore how much to retain from one person to the next. And as you say, you know, the, the economy is still challenging out there and no one quite knows what's ahead. And, you know, these are payments falling due in the future. And, you know, is there a chance now where the firm's doing very well to, you know, over-provide now just to, to have a buffer for the future economic change, if if there is one? No one quite knows the future, obviously, but definitely I think it's getting in the plan over what might be a five-year period. So what would your key actions be for people listening to this podcast? One, is this news to me? Is this complete news to me? If it is, go and speak to the managing partner. Managing partner finance person have a conversation with the accountants understand for you what does it mean for you personally you know that might create a thought in your own mind you know what are my plans for the next couple of years will I be retiring will I be leaving you know and just understand I think what it means tax retention wise for you obviously your overlap as we've jokingly talked about you know make sure you know what that is um, because it's soon going to come round and there's a tendency obviously to leave your tax returns till the last minute but i think in this instance you don't want to because if you can't find that over that relief you're going to be paying tax on more profit than what you should be and then yeah well i think those are the two main points for now um they themselves may create other questions for you or other things to think about but the firm and you as an individual you've just got to liaise with your either your own accountant or the partnership one if they help you with your returns and just have a plan how are you going to do it? Are you going to spread, aren't you? It's your choice. Thank you very much, Ian. That's really, really useful. We also, I should mention, have a useful fact sheet on our website, which covers the technical aspects of basis period reform in more detail. Um, and I want to say thank you to Ian for joining me today and being so insightful on such a challenging subject. One thing I would add, Jamie, just to jump in there, sorry, just to promote ourselves, sorry to say it, but see, we've got another podcast coming down the road relatively soon around people in partnership and the partners and their taxes and their financial planning and you know that would be a good thing to keep a keep a lookout for when that comes along just because it again it helps you as partners manage things whether it's your tax payment on your transitional profits or just general things so sorry to plug that uh, no problem. <laughs> um, we provide a range of tax compliance business advisory services at Safford Chapness to professional practices and financial services specialists. And uh, to find out how we could help you in your business, please visit our website, www.safri.com. And finally, a very, very important disclaimer. Um, this is a really complex area, as Ian has set out. So professional advice should always be taken on your specific circumstances if you're thinking about making a change as a result of basis period reform. So thank you for listening and look out for our future podcasts in our upcoming series. Thank you.